The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your United States of America. It is Saturday, April 27th, 2019, and you are tuned into the weekly flagship here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, powered by the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Presented by Hameen Media. And of course, in association with Last Word on ProWrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking New Japan, the NWA, Impact Wrestling, NXT, and of course, some WWE. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, bringing you all the news that is news from across the professional wrestling world. You can find the show online at HittingTheMarks.com. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. No Huckleberry number one this week, so I've got a guest tag team partner from the Great White North, one half of my favorite Canadian duo, Big Sexy. From Turnbuckle Talk, right here on the HTM Podcast Network, Big Joe. Welcome to your show. What is going on? After all that, that's what I get. What's going on? <laughs> oh, it's a good day to be around. And uh, I guess it's a good time to be a wrestling fan, I guess. I guess, man. I guess. You know, there's a lot. Of, at least there's a lot of pro wrestling going on. And uh, Monday in the locker room, Rick and I are actually going to jump into the uh, financial report, assuming Ooh, that Rick yeah. is back from the uh, walking dead disease that he has right now. And uh, if you have had a chance to look at the financial report at all, it was not good news for WWE in any way, shape or form. They're down in every metric that matters. But the one metric that they are touting, what they're hanging their hat on, ladies and gentlemen, is the number of hours consumed. You want to know why WrestleMania was seven and a half freaking hours? Just so they could tout the number of hours consumed. That's the one metric they were up in. You know, I've always said that uh, unlike in math, you know, two negatives can make a positive. More of something bad is just more bad. Ratings are down 14%. Live attendance is down 11%. But, you know, at least people are watching more of our shit. (laughs) That's not a good thing to be proud of. That's the one thing that they were touting on that conference call. Rick and I will jump into that Monday in the locker room. For now, Joe, let's start with, I guess, you know, you guys do the showstopper segment over uh, on Turnbuckle Talk. We do. I like to have a big lead in. I like to have, you know, what I think is the lead story of the week. And I guess yep. we got to start with Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse and whatever mm-hmm. in the hell is going on with Bray Wyatt's Firefly Funhouse. Now, we haven't talked about this. This seems like nope. it's a pretty polarizing topic. Where do you stand with the Firefly Funhouse? Are you on board or are you totally against this thing? When I first saw it, I got to say pretty 50-50. But I think that if there's anybody that can pull it off you know keep in mind you know this is being done by wwe creative which is uh i mean it's hard to even use that term it has some potential 
right? It has just the right amount of creepiness in there. Just right enough, very wide. Just enough of the, uh, you know, Mr. Rogers neighborhood in there to be to be interesting. It can be done right. I just I don't trust them to get it right. And we we're already seeing that there's there was uh, a possibility that they were already going to nix the whole thing. Well, it sounds to me like that is absolute BS that was just made up by some dirt sheet writer because Bray Wyatt took himself, took to Twitter, and he just tweeted out, I love stockholders and sponsors. Right. Yeah. You know, it, he he's clearly taking a shot at the dirt sheets there. I think that's absolute BS. Um, yep. But there is a cup, something that you brought up that I think is interesting is the WWE creative team because mm-hmm. immediately – Everybody seems to be crediting Bruce Pritchard with this idea, and I don't think that's the case at all. I think if anybody is more of the root of this idea, it's Matt Hardy. It could be, and I think if Abyss has his hands in this at all, it stands a chance, Drew. It stands a chance. And especially with Jeff now out, we do know that Jeff Hardy is out with an injury, and it sounds yeah, like the yeah. SmackDown tag titles will be changing yeah. hands this coming Tuesday. That's unfortunate. Um, but if Matt Hardy needs something to do, he's friends with Bray Wyatt. Let those two mm-hmm. just go off into their creative little circle. I'm absolutely on board for that. But the problem becomes at a certain point, He's got to get in the ring. He's got to have a fight. How is this going to work? Does this gimmick translate to a 20 by 20 squared circle? That's my biggest question right now. That's interesting. And when you just look at him now, dude, he looks in great shape. Yeah, he does. Absolutely. He's been working out. He's been um, eating not eating as many of the cheeseburgers and whatnot. So he, he looks better. Getting some of that good old JoJo home cooking. Absolutely. Absolutely. The other guy that this thing kind of reminds me of, well, there's a couple of them, actually, not only Matt Hardy, but also Mick Foley. This reminds me a lot of the early days of mankind. I mean, people want to talk about how uncomfortable that got when Mick Foley's sitting in the ring tearing his own hair out. That absolutely comes to mind. The original Doink the Clown gimmick, when he would come out to the happy circus music and then the bell would ring and you would see the entire demeanor change. Kind of Raven back in ECW, I guess you could kind of compare to what's going on with Bray Wyatt right now. What do you think? Is this going to be like a split personality gimmick? You mentioned that, like, just the idea of somebody taking a, a sock and pulling it up from their crotch and putting their hand in and making a talk. Just, uh, just that in itself. I mean, that's uh, that's creepy as hell. I don't know which, no matter which way you slice it. So, you know, this has got some potential. Just like I said, the the big thing is if they can realize what they got their hands on. I, th- I think it has some potential. But historically, recently, we just know that uh, WWE doesn't know what they have sometimes with some of the stuff. One of my biggest questions that I have right now is the painting that was on the wall behind him and the ventriloquist dummy yeah. that is painted up to be Sister Abigail. Because at this point, Monday in the locker room, I kind of advocated for it, and now I'm terrified that it's actually going to happen if Nikki Cross is going to become Sister Abigail because I just want Nikki Cross to go to the funhouse and play. Nikki wants to play. This is the perfect place for Nikki to play. It is. Absolutely. But I don't want to see him change her gimmick. No, I, th- I think you could still do it. Just It would just be some subtle adjustments there. I, I, it, it can work. It's just a matter of if they want to pull the trigger on that or not. 
Get at us at HTMPWPod at TB Talk Pod to get a hold of Big Joe. Let us know what you think of this new Bray Wyatt gimmick and if you're on board or not. And if you think it's actually going to translate to something interesting in the ring. So let's jump over to some New Japan Pro Wrestling. Big Joe, I know that you're not the most avid of watchers of New Japan, but of course here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast, we talk about a lot of this stuff. How much New Japan do you actually get to watch? I try and watch as many of the major shows as possible. I mean, obviously, the Madison Square Garden show, definitely watched all that. I, I chose to watch that instead of most of WrestleMania, as most of you are well aware. So I try to catch all the big shows. Um, as I said before, though, there's, there, dude, there's so much wrestling content in the week that you know I don't get to watch as much as I can. And, of course, you know the way that I am kind of jaded with WWE, it, it uh, makes me reluctant to kind of catch all of the stuff. But... Uh, I'm getting more into it. Well, we saw the announcement this week for the best of super juniors, which obviously is the the junior heavyweight version, basically, of the G1 Climax. And they're doing a couple of interesting things this year. Number one, we'll go ahead, we'll kind of run through all the competitors here. We have Bandito, Bushi, Dragon Lee, El Desperado, Flip Gordon, Jonathan Gresham, Marty Skrull, Robbie Eagles, Rocky Romero, Ryusuke Taguchi, Shingo Takagi, Sho, Taija Ishimori, Taka Michinoku, Tiger Mask, Titan, Will Ospreay, Yo, Kanemaru, and El Phantasmo. Those are all of the participants in the tournament this year. This is a stacked field that really seems like, you know, we were talking about this a little bit earlier today, and this is kind of where I wanted to steer the conversation. And you saying that you only watch the big New Japan shows. Would Best of Super Juniors qualify? Like even the finals, does that qualify for you as a big New Japan show? Uh, hearing these names now, uh, it definitely falls in that category for me now. I mean, Bandito alone. I mean, every time that um, that guy is on, I'm glued to the screen. I know it's the old dot, 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 dive stuff, but damn it, that guy's entertaining as hell. He's the modern generation Rey Mysterio dude. I'm kind of hoping that they don't do an A block and a B block, that they just do the 20-person round-robin tournament this year. Um, because I'm looking at some of these names, and if I don't get some of these matches, I'm going to be very disappointed. You bring up Bandito. Give me Bandito versus Shingo Takagi. Give me Bandito versus Taija Ishimori versus Will Ospreay versus El Phantasmo. I mean, it, there's some real dream matches inside of this thing. But one of the things that really stood out to me and one of the things that Rick and I talk about all the time is the depth of the junior heavyweight division. You and I talked about it a little bit off air. Almost half the field this year is being represented by guys from ROH, guys from CMLL, guys from Rev Pro. There's uh, Robbie Eagles, obviously, coming in from Australia, El Fantasmo. Do you know much of El Fantasmo? I know he's Canadian. I have not seen much of Fantasmo, but uh, I'm definitely going to have to look more into him, though. 
the package that they've been running for him over in New Japan of his uh, coming soon vignette. I hope this guy's as good as that damn vignette is because it's, he's kind of got a little bit of a DJZ kind of vibe going on to him. And the Bullet Club pairing is kind of interesting, too. They've got so many juniors inside a Bullet Club at this point. Yep. You just you have so much reason why I've gone starting to get to dabble more into new Japan pro wrestling is the storytelling, or at least the majority of the storytelling is being done with the in-ring work, which is where I really, it really gets me, uh, it gets me into it because the WWE stuff is all of this backstage crap and all that kind of stuff. New Japan, they're telling the storylines in the ring just the way I like it, man. And I know that you watch a lot of Ring of Honor as well. And you mm-hmm. mentioned Bandito. We also have Flip Gordon, Jonathan Gresham, Marty Skrull, Rocky Romero's made several ROH appearances, the Tempora Boys, uh, now obviously Rapunky 3K, Osprey's made several appearances there. There's a lot of ROH talent inside of this thing this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm going to get to see some of these guys in person, hopefully, too, coming up in Toronto on May too so i'm really still looking forward to that that's looking like that's going to be a very very good show there's another yeah. junior heavyweight though that's been making some uh waves in japan here as of late and of course that's jushin thunder liger we're kind of on the liger retirement tour at this point mm-hmm. and this week we, we had some more road to dantaku shows over in new japan pro wrestling and liger absolutely kind of stole a whole bunch of headlines well at least he was involved in a bunch of headlines it was his 30th anniversary match 30 years of the greatest junior heavyweight wrestler of all time in my mind it's not even close Rey mysterio is close but that there's still a pretty big gap there so his 30th anniversary match, they do Ryusuke Taguchi, Tiger Mask, and Jushin Liger taking on a Suzuki-Goon team of El Desperado, Kanemaru, and the namesake Minoru Suzuki, the world's most sadistic man. And Liger and Suzuki are coming to blows, man. This thing is going to blow up. Suzuki trying to steal Jushin Liger's mask at his 30th anniversary match. This thing is going to build and build, and it's going to explode. It's just a matter of when, and I cannot freaking wait for Jushin Liger versus Minoru Suzuki in 2019. Right, and, and as, as you know, and as, uh, as our listeners really know, you know that uh, I'm not a fan of the MMA people in professional wrestling and the crossover, but with Minoru Suzuki, when he is doing his thing in the ring, I cannot watch. Uh, it, it, it's... He just he draws you in like and it's just it's that strong style and it just it's oh it, it's you do feel it, it's like almost Walter kind of level like every time like this guy is just it's it, it's sadistic man but it's it's in a fun way. <laughs> Did you get a chance to see the blood sport match between Suzuki and Josh Barnett from WrestleMania weekend? I have not, man. But oh I, man. I, I have to. Yeah. That, it, was, it was without ropes and turnbuckles, right? It was just basically yeah. not, not, not. I've heard about that. I need to watch it still. It's on my to do on my to do list. It's like a twenty five minute match of them just beating the ever loving hell <laughs> out of one another. Fantastic. Well, and Gresh basically got knocked out in that, did he not? Yes. Yeah, essentially, I yeah. saw that clip. Yeah. Uh, the Killer Cross versus Davy Boy Junior match. Is uh, that that was in my top three matches of WrestleMania weekend? Why would you sign on to do basically a no 
rules match with somebody just the presence the size of Davy Boy Smith Jr. If you have not seen, he's a he's not a little dude. He's he's a big guy, and uh, yeah, I wouldn't want to come to blows with that guy either. Well, Killer Cross is no joke too, man. Yeah, that dude's built like a brick shit house too. Absolutely, absolutely. I wouldn't want to be getting in the ring with either one of those guys. But Suzuki, yeah, I mean that, that's uh, people will be surprised uh, that that I would like watching him, but uh, it's it, yeah, he's he's different. <laughs> Where do you stand that. on uh, Zack Saber Jr.? You would be surprised too, but uh, he's entertaining to watch, man. He uses he uses leverage in that ring. It's it's science, damn it! Like you said, it's science. It, hey, if you can suspend your disbelief that far, anyway, you know. Um, I'm sure I'm calling out the professor, the professor, uh, the most objective man on this, uh, this network here. He's, he's boring. Get the hell out of here. He's boring. <laughs> Anybody who wants to take shots at professors, he can co-host with me any day of the week. Right. Uh, let's talk about Okada. Okada, of course, your new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. All has been set right inside of the world, and Okada is walking around with the big gold belt, even though I wish they'd go back to the V4. I don't necessarily care for the V5. Uh, Mm -hmm. Okada is taking on Sonata on May 3rd in Fukuoka. I've already predicted that Chris Jericho is going to rear his ugly head and take out Kazuchika Okada and come after the IWGP world title. Um... But the Sonata feud, we got to build to it because Okada's already put Sonata down to win the New Japan Cup. And Sonata now is absolutely bound and determined. He doesn't just want to beat Okada. He wants to make Okada tap out. That's what this is really being built around. Yeah. Is there any chance, any snowballs chance that Sonata wins this championship from Kazuchika Okada? Because I don't see one. It's too soon to change the to change hands again. It's too soon. Uh, Sonata's get, he's going to be something special. You know whether he stays in New Japan. I'm sure WWE's got his, their eyes on him. I mean that can guy go anywhere and be a star. For to be perfectly honest, and so could Okada. But I mean it's it's too soon to take the title off him already. Too soon. Yeah, Okada. Okada's- I thought it was too soon for him to get it back. To be perfectly honest with you, I thought they were going to keep it on Jay uh, coming out of Madison Square Garden. That's what I was thinking. It kind of feels like all has been set right in the world. Oh, absolutely, yeah. You know, it, it, it's like Jay White was just kind of a means to an end. That's that's very much the way that it feels to me at this point. Um, but I am intrigued because I think Jay White is going to be placed in the right position now. I think that he is going to come after Kota Ibushi after Ibushi puts down Tetsuya Naito, and it'll be Jay White versus Kota Ibushi for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, One thing that I was actually talking with my lovely wife about last night is Wrestle Kingdom. And I know that it's only April and Wrestle Kingdom's not until January, but Joe, this year, one of the things that they're doing at Wrestle Kingdom is we've done away with New Year's Dash. And we're doing Wrestle Kingdom over two nights now. So we're going to have two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. That means you need two main events for Wrestle Kingdom. What the hell are they going to be? I I, obviously you're going to have the IWGP world title being defended one night. You'll have the intercontinental championship probably in the main event the other night. Do you have any kind of predictions or, or, or foresight what you think we could be building towards come Tokyo Dome in January. 
as you've mentioned before, in Fukuoka, which I, I, I think I've got that right, we know Jericho shows up there. Whether he's going to do some kind, of, some kind of shenanigans there, I think that you got to have some kind of co-main event involving Jericho. Ooh, you, yeah. you have. Who, I can see that. Who's it going to be? I don't know, man. I don't know. I could also get behind Jay White versus Kota Ibushi. For the Intercontinental yeah. title. Okay. I could get behind that as a night one main event if we build it around Jay White ran Kenny Omega out of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And now he's trying to do the same thing to Kota Ibushi. What's that? they should have started with. Yeah. That's what they should have started with. It feels like we, we had to get him into that spot. And then now it feels like now, now we got a back pull bit. Okay, now, now, now let's let's start the beginning and then we'll, we'll build him up. I, I get it. But at the same time, too, it just feels like we're backpedaling a little bit with this. And then, obviously, you have the winner of the G1 Climax versus the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. I I, I got to believe that that's Tetsuya Naito versus Kazuchika Okada. Yeah. Or we got to get to uh, or, or Tanahashi. He's always, I mean, uh, he's still your ace, right? Yeah. Well, kind of. The ace is out. We'll talk about the ace here. In just a little bit, thanks to Enzo Amore and Big Cass. Yeah, that's a weird transition. First, let's talk about the NWA. The NWA and the Crockett Cup. This show is actually going on as we sit here and record right now. I'm really looking forward to sitting down and checking this show out. I'll probably sit down and do that early tomorrow morning. Uh, Let's kind of run through the card here. Jazz has been forced to relinquish the NWA Women's Championship due to medical and personal reasons, which is unfortunate because I was really looking forward to this match. It's going to be Allison Kay, a.k.a. Sienna from Impact Wrestling, taking on Santana Garrett, filling in for the NWA Women's Champion Jazz. Big yeah. Joe, do you have a preference between these two matches, which one you would have rather seen and... Is it a uh, foregone conclusion that Allison K walks out the NWA Women's Champion? Uh, Kay's the one that I'm more familiar with from the Mayon Classic. Uh, Santana Guerra, I have watched some of her work. Uh, to see Jazz, to have to relinquish the title, kind of a bummer. Um, you know, she's definitely somebody that I'm definitely, obviously, uh, you know, aware of. Actually, the the wife of a former guest of this podcast has actually, I think, had some matches with her. Uh, Bryson's guy we have had on before. His wife is also uh, a worker in the business and has had some matches with her. So, you know, she's definitely... Uh, I'd, be, I'd be curious to know, what the, do you know what the personal issues are? I don't know. All the, the only reason I knew this was from her Twitter account. I don't even know what the medical issue is. I'm assuming that it's some sort of injury that she just doesn't want to disclose at this point. Yeah, I mean, uh, I get, at that point, I guess you can't really. It does set up the potential for another match somewhere down the line, though. Whenever Jazz does get herself healthy, you can have the yeah. woman that never actually lost the title coming for whichever one of these two women actually come out with it. Uh, Santana Garrett, most recently, of course, well-known from the Women of Wrestling, WOW, yes. David McLean's uh, series. She was kind of the face of WOW until Tessa Blanchard showed up. And now Tessa has kind of taken that spot, and it seems as though Santana has moved on. There's a lot of people that really, really like Santana Garrett. She kind of rocks the Bailey gimmick. Um, I I, I have my own personal kind of issues there, but you know, it it works. Uh, The other thing that I think is interesting about this match is they're having Medusa 
come out and present the title of Lundra Blaze, the WWE Hall of Famer, the woman who took the women's championship and threw it in the trash can in one of the most famous moments from WCW Nitro. This is going to be interesting because I could see Medusa going after either one of these women and saying, I want this championship. She could do anything at any time, man. That that start, that kickstarted that whole Monday Night War business, um, and she she drives monster trucks in her spare time. She's a professional monster truck driver. Uh, this broad can do whatever the hell she wants to do, man. And she does it very very well. She she does. She can still get in there and work to perfectly honestly. Your big main event of the night: Nick Aldis takes on the villain. Marty Skrull for the 10 pounds of gold. You're willing, wearing a Villain Club shirt. I actually have on my Villain Marty Skrull shirt here as well. Yeah. I, I'm going with Marty in this thing, man. Oh. I know it seems crazy, but I'm going with Marty to win this damn belt. I think this is going to be the Cody thing all over again. Of course, by the time this episode has aired... We will all know that Nick Aldis has retained the NWA World's Heavyweight mm. Championship, and I will look like a complete fucking moron. But I'm going with <laughs> Marty Skrull to win this match. It's hard to... I think what would be really telling with this is what is Marty's contract status with Ring of Honor? Because we know it's cutting it a little close here, right? Yes. Very, very close. And very, very close. Rick and I have talked about it on the show before. I'm sure you and Carl have talked about it as well. What do you want to see Marty do at this point? He's also doing best of super juniors for new Japan. So we know that he's going to be around for a while, but do you want to see Marty resign at ring of honor? Do you want to see Marty join the rest of the bullet club elite and go to AEW? Do you want to see him join Deanna Perrazzo in a side of NXT? Because I think that's a real possibility that nobody seems to be talking about. Mm-hmm. What do you want to see the villain do? Well, let's break down those various scenarios here. We've got Marty can keep rocking with Villain Enterprises with PCO and Brody King and Ring of Honor. That's fantastic. I love that trio, obviously. And WWE option, well, you know, there's always the fear that somebody like Marty, of course, will get misused in the company. Uh, if he goes to NXT UK, he stands a chance. If he goes to NXT North America, he does not stand a chance. I'll just go on record and say that right now, eventually... He's going to be, he's going to be a joke. If we look at the other option with, um, I mean, just if he, if he goes to new Japan, I mean, he could do some good there too with AEW. I think he goes back to being the sidekick to be perfectly honest with you. That that's my biggest fear with and almost called it a and W a E W my God. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I, there's some potential there. Just I'm, I fear that he'll just revert back to being the good old buddy and sidekick. He's going to be the Gilligan on Gilligan's Island. I think it would do him a lot of good to spend a year as a main eventer for Ring of Honor. Build up some cred. Absolutely. Yep. Not that he doesn't have any, but build up some more. Get up to that real main event status, and then that just increases his, uh, his cachet in the business. And if you're going to do that, there's no better way than to kick it off with winning the most historically prestigious championship in all of professional wrestling, the 10 pounds of gold from somebody that you're a very good friend with that you guys literally came up in the business together. I could see Nick Aldis doing Marty a solid here where, you know, Marty takes the title and he holds it for a month and then he gives it right back to Aldis. 
I definitely agree that that's, I mean, is that even uh, something that's really up for debate with that being the most prestigious title? At this point, I mean, because the NWA World Heavyweight Championship, there was about 20 years there where it was all but irrelevant. Yeah. Um, I'm not even sure where the NWA really fits into a 2019 landscape, you know, and, and how much like that title has the value but that title is literally the entire value of the NWA at this point. Let me ask you a question. Uh, Cause I know I've, I've kind of talked to you about this off air. We haven't really talked about this kind of face to face here after NWA 70th, they had some momentum there with that show. What the hell happened to NWA after that? It's like they just went, they, they, they pulled it out there and it's like, they just said that it's like they gave everything they had and they just went off. Well, we got nothing else now. Well, really, even going like. into that show, I mean, coming out of All In, the NWA was incredibly hot because they were coming off yeah. what a lot of people called the match of the night between Cody and Nick Aldis for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And then you get to NWA 70, and it's a very, very dark arena, and it feels like you're watching a show from the 70s, and where's all the video production and the audio oh. issues? Oh. And As somebody who edits audio for uh, for what we do, that first part of that show, dude, I'm sitting there, I was just steaming. I'm like, really, you guys can't get your shit together and, and get the audio correct? Oh, my God, I was just sitting there, I was losing it, man. And now it almost feels like the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship has become a secondary title inside of Ring of Honor. It's like you have the ROH World title, and then you have the NWA title, and then you have the ROH TV title. And those are the tiers of singles championships inside of ROH right now. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see this Crockett Cup show because I've heard that, you know, they're they're stepping up their, their game when it comes to production and whatnot, and they're going for a very 80s feel. All the graphics are designed to feel like an 80s NWA show. Like, that's really what they're going for. So if that's the impression you get watching these matches and watching this show, they absolutely hit what they were going for. I'm just not sure that an 80s wrestling show necessarily translates in 2019. Did you see those tag belts? Those things are gorgeous looking. Yeah. It's like the old Pedro Morales belt. That's, uh, it looks exactly the same. Those are some dude. If WWE could put some belts, I even look similar to that. Oh my God. And they can, <laughs> they can, because we've, I've seen the UK titles and they're beautiful championship belts. Aren't they still using that uh, motorcycle company to make their belts? Yeah. Um, like Orange County choppers, choppers. I think Orange County choppers are making wrestling belts. I still shake my head on that one. Yeah. Yeah. Here's another beautiful belt inside of the NWA, and that is the national championship that Willie Mack currently holds. I love that belt. I love the simplicity of that belt. Willie Mack is going to defend against Colt Cabana at this show. And I'm, this is probably the matchup I'm most intrigued by on this show because this could be a very character-heavy comedy match and both of these guys will kill it. Or this could be a scientific mixed with lucha wrestling match and both of these guys are going to kill it. Or we could see a combination of both. Yeah, there is. There's Very always that possibility with a Colt Cabana match. Yeah, you never know what you're going to get. So you know you're going to get. You're most likely to get a goofball Colt Cabana. It's, it's, it's a good. 
But inside of, I mean, remember, he is a two-time NWA World's Heavyweight Champion. Who would have thought, right? You know, so inside of an NWA context, we don't normally see goofy, happy-go-lucky Colt Cabana. We normally see that more serious, I'm a I'm a real pro wrestler Colt Cabana. And I hope that's what we get out of this match, because Willie Matt can freaking go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't let... Uh when you first set your eyes on him, I mean, don't let your, don't let looks deceive you. I mean, the, the guy can go, uh, he's not in the most fantastic shape in the world, but, uh, Duke can go, man. His cardio though is great. Like watching him in Lucha underground. The first time I saw him, I was like, Oh man, come on, come on. And then I saw a couple matches and I was like, damn, uh, he's the kind of guy uh, as somebody who's not, you know, um, I'm not exactly in peak physical condition anymore. I'm, I'm a bit of a bigger dude, you know, or, or I watch that. I go, Hey, you know what? Maybe there's a chance. Maybe I could do something in there and probably not. But, uh, you know, when I see somebody that's not exactly, you know, in pristine condition, let's put it that way, be able to do stuff like that. Uh, yeah, there's some hope. Let's talk about the Crockett cup. And of course those beautiful tag team championship belts that you were yes, talking beautiful. about. Whoever wins the Crockett Cup this year will also be your new NWA World's Tag Team Champions. This is the way the bracket lays out. You have the Briscoes taking on the Rock and Roll Express in 2019. The Briscoes versus the... I should not be this excited for this match, but I am ridiculously excited for this match. Yep. Rock and Roll Express, man. Those guys, they haven't stopped. And I heard that the Midnight was going to be there too, the Midnight Express, along with Jim Cornette. I would not, oh, no. I would not be at all surprised to Whoa. see Rock and Roll and Midnight cross paths. That would be fantastic. I really hope that the Briscoes call them the Old Bucks. That's really what I want. That's perfect. I you really can't want not do that. that at this point, right? You can't. They, they, they look, the, they look the part. Then if you want a matchup that's going to be four dudes just beating the ever-loving piss out of one another, have we got a treat for you as the New Japan representatives, Kojima and Nagata, two of the most physical and stiff dudes in all of New Japan pro wrestling, taking on Brody King, friend of the show, and PCL, Villain Enterprises. This thing is going to be ridiculous. Yuji Nagata and PCO in the same ring at the same time. I cannot wait to see this match. It's going to be like two immovable objects. Just like, just think like two big cement blocks. Just yeah, it's going to be nuts. Somebody's going to die. I'm looking forward to it. There's going to be, this is going to be a death match. Then we have a My dot, God. dot, dot dive classic with Flip Gordon and Bandudo taking on Stukamaya Jr. and his tag partner, whose name I forgot to put on the run for some reason, and I don't remember who it is. Is it Titan? It might be Titan. It could be Titan, yeah. And then we have Jackson Crimson, the lone NWA representatives inside of this tournament, unless you count rock and roll, taking on a mystery team that it basically what they're doing they're having a battle royal at the beginning of the show and whoever wins the battle royal that team will be put into this matchup now rick and i talked about this there was a lot of people that thought it was going to be enzo and Cass. 
And this is how Enzo and Cass were going to get brought into ROH. We now know ROH has told Enzo and Cass, nope, we're not doing that. We're not bringing you in. That's why you've seen Enzo and Cass on Twitter taking shots at the Briscoes, taking shots at G.O.D. Tamatonga, quit. Just stop. Just stop. Quit talking about these fucking guys. Let these jobbers go be jobbers. Quit putting them over on Twitter and, and just let it go. I don't need to see a G.O.D. versus Enzo and Cass feud in, in any context. It, it's got to the point where it's like watching internet trolls go at each other at this point. It's like, quit talking about them and, and they'll go away. Yeah. yeah. That's very much how I feel about it. So, but I don't want to count these two guys out. Because these two guys, number one, they're actually signed to the NWA. They're two dudes. They're our legit tag team inside of this tournament. And if we're going to put tag belts on somebody, I had the Briscoes winning this whole damn thing. But now I'm kind of favoring Jackson Crimson to win this thing. Mm. Um, I'm going to go right or left field here on this. I'm going to put it on Rock and Roll Express, dude. Really? In 2019? In 2019, I am going to put these gorgeous tag team title belts on Rock and Roll Express. Did you see them bust out the Rock and Roll Destroyer? Yes, that was amazing. Get the hell out of here. How many years has he been waiting to unleash that mother? Oh, my God. That was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. Ricky Morton is uh, impressive. You can see uh, where Chase Owens gets that pedigree from. Let's talk a little bit about AEW and kind hey. of by association, StarCast, um, because we've had this big story and there was really no place to fit this on the show. Yeah. But Undertaker and Kurt Angle pulled from StarCast. Uh, big Joe, it sounds like Vince McMahon flexing the big dick is really what this thing comes down to. He wasn't happy with Undertaker taking this booking. And now Undertaker's not taking the booking anymore. Honestly, I'm not surprised. Um, to me, though, this I think has the reverse effect of what Vince is thinking. I think that if he would just leave it alone, you know, and not even mention, not even that it's just it. If WWE wants to be number one, act like number one. This kind of stuff, it, it's it doesn't matter. But the fact that they're doing this makes them look like they feel threatened. And I think that that's the wrong move. I think this is all because of Saudi Arabia. Oh, don't even. Oh. I think that's what this comes down to. I think that you are going to get the Undertaker versus Elias in Saudi Arabia. I think that matchup is going to happen. And I think that, that payday, wa- that payday is how Vince convinced Undertaker to get himself out of this booking. Uh, I. When they did, uh, this is hard to talk about because when they, with Shawn Michaels, I was so disappointed. I do, I still haven't watched go back with Shawn. I refuse to. Yep, same. But the fact that Shawn took that took the Saudi blood money for that, I, I lost some respect for him. And with Undertaker seemingly doing the same thing now, that's I mean, tough, man. The, the thing that really bugs me about it is the Shawn Michaels return match. If Sean Michaels was never going to do that, it should have been WrestleMania if they were going to do that. It should have been WrestleMania. If Undertaker's going to come back and work a match, it should have been at WrestleMania. If you have an Undertaker match and you have a Shawn Michaels match at WrestleMania, 
I'm looking forward to that card a hell of a lot more than the card that we got. Yeah. Just the whole, the whole circumstance around that show and in this one now, just it stinks. It stinks. I don't want to get one bit. Now, Conrad Thompson was told, don't worry, Conrad, we'll make this right. That's what WWE told Conrad Thompson. We'll make this right. Okay. So we're taking The Undertaker and Kurt Angle. Mm-hmm. How do you make that right? I mean, the, how do you replace those two names? That's tough, man. They gave him Mark Henry. I like Mark Henry. Don't get me wrong. I love me some Mark Henry. I'm all about the sexual chocolate, baby. <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. One stipulation. He brings the hand with him. There you go. You get you get sexual chocolate for the Undertaker, and you get the hand for Kurt Angle. If you if, like an if you don't know who I'm referring to, the, the the hand when it comes to sexual chocolate, Mark Henry. Just go back and watch. Just go back. I love Mark Henry, but he is not a replacement for Kurt Angle and the Undertaker. Already <laughs> even close. I mean, come on. At least yeah. send Shawn Michaels. You got him under freaking contract down at NXT. You can you can lose Shawn for one day. Nope. Not if you're Vince, you can't. Absolutely ridiculous. It's it's stupid, man. It really is. Uh, who else? Who else could we have picked other than Mark Henry at this point? Well, I I think I think a, a logical replacement for Undertaker would be Kane. You could send Glenn Jacobs out there. I I, I think that's fitting. Uh, you could send fucking Hogan. Oh, God. I mean, I hate him and you hate him, but you could send Hogan. Oh, Jesus. The Marks would lose their freaking mind if Hulk Hogan was at StarCast. <laughs> oh, man. Uh... They already got Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, well, that's good. That's that, that... I'm oh, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat sitting down with Jim Ross to talk about their trilogy of matches from 1989. That is the highlight yeah. of StarCast. That's almost worth the 60 yeah. bucks on Fight TV right there. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Carl's going to be on the Jericho Cruise. He's gonna, Rick's going to be on the Jericho Cruise as well. So I'm a little jealous that he's getting to meet the nature boy. The nature boy himself. You're going to have chris jericho and the nature boy rick flair in international waters there is going to be a lot of debauchery going on ladies and gentlemen you took the words right out of my mouth here i'm like that's that's got debauchery a lot of debauchery going on there (laughs) oh i think rick's gonna have to get married again let's uh let's talk a little bit about impact wrestling before we throw it over to the break joe now i am not the most avid of impact watchers and i know that you're not necessarily the most avid of impact watchers so why would we preview impact rebellion because there's an angle ladies and gentlemen there's always an angle right kurt angle no as i looked at this card something stood out to me we have five matches four of them are for championships and one of them is a grudge match. Okay. This is NXT TakeOver. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how TakeOver formats their cards. And as I look at this card, on paper, if you're not watching the weekly television, this looks like a pretty good show. If you're not watching the weekly television, which is very likely at this point, unfortunately. You know, as a Canadian wrestling fan, and with Impact essentially being a Canadian company now, d- 
you know, I'm not uh, proud to say that you know I don't get to watch it because, frankly, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't even know where to watch it legitimately. I was going to ask you, is there even an outlet up there to watch Twitch. Impact? I can watch it on Twitch. <sighs> like, okay, you know, that's not my go-to place for wrestling. I'm sorry. I mean, uh, I'm all for that. That's an, a new emerging platform, fine and dandy, but that's not what, when I think watching professional wrestling, I don't think let's log on the computer and go into Twitch and watch some wrestling. No, it is a it's a new not. and emerging platform. You can find us there. Twitch.tv backslash hitting the marks 4:30 PM Eastern standard time yeah. every Tuesday for HTM <laughs> sports. Not exactly blowing everybody out of the water. Here, you know, it's not exactly, uh, you know, for a wrestling program. I mean, oh. yeah, it's an enigma at this point. I do like this lineup though. I think this looks like it'll be a good show. And it doesn't look like it's going to be nine hours long either. Thank you. Johnny Impact takes on Brian Cage for the Impact World title. Lance Storm, your special guest referee. God bless Canada, Lance Storm. Love me some Lance You're Storm. You're welcome. You're welcome. The Lucha Bros take on LAX in a full metal mayhem match for the Impact Tag Team Championships. I love the Lucha Bros, even though they're the most exposed guys in all of professional wrestling. Right. And uh, question, what is a full metal mayhem match? Um, it, it's kind of like a tables, ladders, chairs and stairs and, and whatever is made out of metal is legal inside of the match. Kendo sticks illegal because they're not made out of metal. But if you have a giant metal rod, you can hit somebody with that. Um, that's going to kill somebody. Yeah, well, with the Lucha Bros and LAX, I mean, hell, LAX is running over little kids. I mean, you know, oh, maybe, maybe they'll just God. show up with, uh, you know, Conan's <laughs> freaking uh, lowrider. And uh, be taking people out left and right. Jordan Grace takes on Taya Valkyrie for the Knockouts Championship. That's a really good matchup. That is. Rich Swan versus Sammy Callahan for the X Division Championship. This isn't even about the X Division Championship. This is about Sammy Callahan wanting to beat the ever-loving piss out of Rich Swan because he refused <laughs> yeah. to join OVE, and that made Sammy Callahan very, very mad. So now I'm going to take away everything from you that you love. That's really what's going on here, and he's starting with the X Division Championship. And then you have your grudge match. Yeah. This and is this a is a hell of a grudge match. Gail Kim comes out of retirement to take on undeniable Tessa Blanchard. This has the potential to be your women's match of the year. I am so ridiculously looking forward to this matchup. There's some legitimate beef in, in, in he with these two. Like, and the way they're doing it, it's coming off as, dude, it feels very, very real. And I like what they're doing. I really dig it. We talked about the women of WOW a little bit earlier. Tessa Blanchard is getting very, very involved with the women of WOW and Jeannie Buss and everything that David McClain has going on out there. I'm kind of curious what the relationship between her and Impact Wrestling is at this point. Because like it's gotten to the point where Tessa is basically running the WOW Performance Center out there in LA. She's relocated and everything. So that's going to be a very interesting story to watch develop for the rest of 2019 as well. Yeah. Well, I mentioned really with this too, I really, I'm actually, it's going to sound weird, but I'm actually kind of glad that things kind of fizzled out with WWE and Tessa Blanchard because boy, has it worked out to her benefit at this point? Yeah. 
And she would have been so damaged in the WWE women's division. She would have been just, she would have been so downplayed, so damaged. And boy, could the WWE women's division use somebody like Tessa Blanchard. I was looking at the SmackDown roster the other day. You realize like outside of Becky Lynch, their number one baby face is Carmella. (laughs) I mean, get the fuck out of here. Well, I sure laugh. I, I sure laugh, but it's funny. It's funny. And it's true. And it's kind of sad and pathetic, too. It is. And, and that's nothing to... against Carmella. I mean, hell, I'm all for a seven-second dance party. But, um, yeah, I mean, and it, is this not the, the women's division lineup now for when Fox happens? Yeah. If it is, I have one word for this. Sadness. Well, I, I can save it. I can save it, and I'll tell you about it on the other side of the break. We'll be right back.
Hey, this is Stevie Richards. I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week resistance band training program. Hey there. Do you like Ring of Honor? Yeah. Do you like Impact Wrestling? Sure do. How about independent wrestling? Of course. Who doesn't? Do you like the WWE? Yeah, I could take it or leave it. Do you like Kim Kardashian? <laughs> no. Good, because we don't talk about her here. This is Turnbuckle Talk. Member of the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Check us out on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all those other podcatchers by searching Turnbuckle Talks. You can find your friends at the HTM Podcast Network by searching Hitting the Marks. You will be glad you did, as Big Joe and myself, Carl Carafel, take you on an audible journey into the world of professional wrestling every week. With the HTM Podcast Network, you can listen to shows like the Wrestle Podcast, Tables, Athers, and Chairs, the PW Hustle, and of course, the flagship show, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast at HittingTheMarks.com. So be sure to keep up with the greatest Canadian podcast duo and listen to Turnbuckle Talk. All right, so we're back for segment two. Yeah, segment two is the WWE talk, but we're going to put it off for just a little bit because we're going to start with the good WWE stuff. That's right. We're going to start with NXT. Yeah, I'd like me some NXT. You know, I could have went to an NXT house show last night. It was only like two and a half hours away, and uh, it was at a, a terrible venue in Davenport, Iowa. That's why I didn't go because I don't like the River Center in Davenport, Iowa. And then I find out that my favorite professional wrestler, Alive, Tyler Breeze was actually at that show taking on the Velveteen Dream for the North American Championship. Fuck, why didn't I go to that show? Damn it. Puppies and Tyler Push Tyler Me too. Me too, man. I think you, I think you and I are, are in the, the minority for whatever reason when it comes to that. Yeah, well, people are stupid. That's, that's really what it comes down to. Bunch of uggos. This is true. This is very true. Bunch of uggos. Let's talk yeah. about the North American Championship. Uh, we saw it defended. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a, a preview and a review, all kind of at the same time, kind of see where NXT is going to be going, coming out of TakeOver New York. Um, things started off with Velveteen Dream versus Buddy Murphy for the North mm. American Championship. Fantastic match. Go out of your way to find that one. But, Joe, the, the thing that's interesting here is it seems like we're just trying to get Velveteen Dream some title defenses. And I'm wondering if that's so he can turn around and drop this title. And we would see a little bit later on Dominic Dijakovic just squashes this kid named Aaron Fry. And then he grabs a microphone and he says, I've been eyeballing that North American championship. And he's ready to feast his eyes on that North American championship. It seems like we're going to get Dominic Dijakovic. God, I hate that name. Why can't we just call him Dijak? For God's uh, that's sake. That's what I've been saying. That's what I've been saying. 
Velveteen Dream versus Dijak for the North American Championship. I like it a lot. That's intriguing. That's an intriguing matchup for sure. That's power versus style. Which way do you lean, though? Is it time for Velveteen Dream to drop this title already? Uh, it's too soon, I think, man. Too soon. You got to get Patrick some uh, some cred. You got to get him some cred. I'll give him some cred, but I feel, I still feel like he's in that Lacey Evans territory. There's so many people that are I don't know if I go that far. Well, no, hear me out here, all right? Yeah. And I say this because every Velveteen Dream match that I see is a series of high spots. And that's mm. all that it is. It feels like it's so rehearsed. It's so contrived. It's so thoroughly thought out and planned out to every detail, which is great in NXT. And then you get to the main roster and you show up at two o'clock in the afternoon and you've got a match in four hours and it just falls flat, which is kind of where Lacey Evans is right now. And I'm terrified that if we call Velveteen Dream up too soon, He's mm. going to fall into that same role. Mm. I hope not. They, they burn If they do the same thing and just have him just come out and just. Oh. Would you trust Velveteen dream to call it in the ring? I don't think so. Not at this point yet. He's, he doesn't have enough under his belt yet. I mean, that's, that's really what it comes down to. That's the stage that we're trying to get these guys to because they yeah. don't have three months to figure out their match. You've got three hours to figure out yep. your match. And I'm worried that Velveteen Dream is just not going to translate in that context. No, he definitely he needs more time. I, know I would even be cool with him to, you know, go back and do some more stuff with Evolve or something. You know, go on excursion somewhere, you know, within reason, you know. Send him to the get- UK for six months. Uh, what is he? Is he 23? Yeah. What? Something like that. He's, he's still really, really young. Patrick's still really young. He doesn't, they don't need to rush him through the system, but you know that they're going to. Yeah. They're going to. Yeah. And, and you know, it's kind of like Bailey was like, can't miss. Velveteen Dream is can't miss. There's no way this guy's not going to work. And Vince is like, hold my beer. <laughs> oh. This is why we can't have nice things. The Street Profits take on the War Raiders, and the War Raiders put them down. No, in NXT, they're still the War Raiders. So they're not the the War Raiders slash uh, Viking Experience slash Viking Raiders slash we don't even know what we're doing anymore. I'm still sticking with the name that I've always used, the artist formerly known as War Machine. See, that would actually be good. Yeah, they take on the Street Profits, and I thought that this is like the Street Profits obviously are going to get a win here, and then we're going to get a return match for the championship, and the Street Profits take the titles, and the artists formerly known as War Machine go up to the main roster and get buried because that's what's pretty much going to happen. I felt like they were got the Ascension treatment. They were buried before they ever hit the freaking ring. But that's not the case here. The artists formerly known as War Machine get the win over the Street Profits. They look freaking dominant. There's no seeming rhyme or reason for them to drop these titles right now. So we have the War Raiders in NXT. We have the Viking Raiders on the main roster. We have Hanson and Rowe in NXT. We have whatever the fuck their names are on the main roster. (laughs) I mean... What are we doing? Hunter's got to be pulling his freaking hair out. Oh, wait. He's already joined the Bald and Beautiful Club. He's got to be pulling his beard out at this point. This has got to be driving him freaking insane. 
This is kind of the laughing stock at WWE right now, the naming stuff with these guys. Even our, our last episode, we made fun of this. It's just it's awful. They took, well, the bat, they took the badass team of NXT and they turned them into a joke. I would have been fine with them changing the name if for any of the multitude of stupid fucking reasons that I've heard for why they changed the name. But it's then violent. they changed their regular names, too. It's like, what was wrong with Hanson and Roe? We can't we can't be uh, um, condoning violence here. This is a show based off of violence. Damn it! <laughs> why why are we afraid to? And they picked the they they picked the name that arguably could get them even more trouble with the copyright. You have the Viking and the Raiders. They could, <laughs> It's like Super Bowl fourteen. My brain is going to explode thinking about this stuff. I'm done with it. I'm done, <laughs> I'm done thinking about it. So it seems like one of these two teams is going to be set up to take on the artist formerly known as War Machine because it seems like we're building a program now between the Forgotten Sons and Um, One Two Punch. Let me correct you. Their name is the Bathroom Break Experience. The Bathroom Break Experience. That's that's kind of how I feel about the Forgotten Sons. The Forgotten Sons just they're not catching on for me. It's not working for me at all. Yeah, you can thank Joe Atherton uh, for uh, uh, the naming of them. You're welcome. I do like the one-two punch, though. I can get behind Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch. I saw yes. them absolutely tear it down at TakeOver Chicago. But we've already moved Oni Lorcan to 205 Live. Is the one-two punch going to survive Oni Lorcan's move to 205 Live? It just seems to me like he moves to 205 and Danny Birch goes over to NXT UK. Uh, yeah. And there's no depth in the NXT tag team division. That's the bad Not anymore. News. There isn't. Well, with the exception of the undisputed era. Yes, there is the undisputed era. And of course, everything is great. There, er, no, 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 things are, things are not great with the undisputed era. Things start off with Johnny champion, Johnny champion, of course, beat Adam Cole to become the new NXT champion. Well, at least half of the new NXT champion. Yep. Because Ciampa's still kind of claiming that he is the champion since he hasn't lost that title. That obviously is going to come into play somewhere down the line here. But mm-hmm. now, Adam Cole comes out. There's an exchanging of words with him and Johnny Champion. Bobby Fish comes out. Kyle O'Reilly comes out. It looks like it's going to be a three-on-one. And then Roderick Strong jumps Johnny Gargano from behind. And it's like, okay, I can get behind this. And then Undisputed Era shows up and they beat the shit out of Johnny Gargano. This is obviously leading to the rematch with Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole. I can get behind that. And then we get the announcement from William Regal that Johnny Gargano wants a match. And Adam Cole's like, hell yeah, let's do it. But he, he wants the matchup to be with Roderick Strong. So now we're getting tension between Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. I don't like tension between Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. I don't like tension inside of the Undisputed Era. No. It's not time for this yet, Joe. It is not. And uh, for Roderick Strong to be the one that's kind of in the uh, odd man out there, I don't know about that one. <laughs> like, I feel like I could get behind this, but I feel like it should be Kyle O'Reilly, not Roderick yes. Strong. No, I agree. Is there any way that you can split Adam Cole from the Undisputed Era? Doesn't that just kill oh, no. the Undisputed Era if you do that? 
Well, you take the, the whole backbone out of the whole thing. If you if you have Adam Cole as the one separating from all of them, it, it's the whole. Th- it's like a house of cards that just falls apart at that point. I mean, I could see Kyle O'Reilly taking over, but I don't see Roderick Strong as the leader of anything. No, no, Kyle O'Reilly is the only one I think that that stands out as that other one who could possibly do it. But even then, that's a bit of a stretch. And it seems as though we're going to split Adam Cole off and he's going to be in a singles program against Matt Riddle, which I can get behind. I want to see that matchup. Absolutely. I want to see that matchup. But Roderick Strong versus Johnny Gargano? Yeah, I'll be perfectly honest with you. Roddy's not... It's a tough place with him. Nothing against Roderick Strong. He puts on great matches. Just that there's not a whole lot... There's never been really a whole lot of depth there. He feels like he just sees the... um, He's a jock. He's a not-so-cool kid that's taking along with the cool kids. That's what it feels like. Yeah. That's kind of been Roddy his entire career. Yeah. I feel like it should be Adam Cole versus Johnny Gargano. I feel like it should be Roderick strong versus the Velveteen dream. And I feel like it should be red dragon versus the artist formerly known as war machine An undisputed era should live up to the hype and take all the gold. They've been saying that was the intention for 2019 is to take all the gold. Why aren't we taking all the gold? Um, they maybe forgot Jargo. Maybe they forgot like the forgotten sons. Oh, let's talk a little bit about the women's division. We've got a a couple of interesting tag teams kind of taking force here. And we're seeing that the, the WWE women's tag team championships are supposed to be defended across all brands. So we have to build all these new tag teams. So number one, we have Vanessa Bourne and Aaliyah, and they have a bit of an issue with Miss Candice LeRae. In today's edition of What the Fuck Are We Doing with Candice LeRae this week? (laughs) No. Candice LeRae is now teaming up with Casey Catanzaro, has a new tag team inside of the women's division. And Joe, this just screams to me, Candice LeRae is now a player coach and she has been kind of put in charge of the development of Casey Catanzaro because they see a lot of potential in Casey Catanzaro. But why in the fuck aren't we doing anything with Candice LeRae? Because they don't know what to do. They don't know what to do with her. She's Candice LeRae. I mean, I look at the Raw women's division. I look at the SmackDown women's division. You could put Candice on either one and make her the number one baby face on that brand tomorrow. Yeah. And they're using her as a player coach in NXT. Yep. But why? They don't know what to do. They don't know what to do. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. She went from being doing the stuff with Joy Ryan over in, uh, on the independent scene to now she's just that. If you have not seen the Guerrilla Warfare PWG match between the world's cutest tag team and the Young Bucks. Good stuff there. Candice LeRae is tougher than you. It's a fact. Sure. She yep. is tougher than you. Let's talk about the NXT Women's Championship. You know, the title that Candice LeRae should be going after and the matchup that I want to see is Shayna Baszler versus Candice LeRae. Uh, 
Yeah, I know. You you love yourself the queen of spades. Uh, I can't stand her. And now I don't know what the fuck we're doing with Shayna Baszler. I just, I don't know anymore because, and this is, I said earlier, if you want to know how to fix the women's division, Shayna Baszler is the answer. Why is Shayna Baszler still in NXT? Shayna Baszler versus freaking Becky Lynch at this point, after everything that happened at WrestleMania, how does that story not write itself? How is Shayna Baszler not winning money in the bank, cashing in on Alexa Bliss, and taking the Raw Women's Championship? See, this is something I'm really torn on just because... As you're well aware, and all listeners are well aware, I have, uh, you know, I'm not a fan of uh, the way that she works in the ring. Character-wise, I totally agree with you. Character-wise, th- they've really dropped the ball on her. As a fan, just strictly of watching in the ring, I really don't care. But, <laughs> but character-wise, I totally get what you're, what you're getting at. Uh, ball dropped big time. We're way behind them. I know that you're not a fan of Shayna Baszler. Nope. Are you a fan of Samoa Joe? I am a fan of Samoa Joe. He is she mind. not the female version of Samoa Joe? Oh, that's not go. To, let's not go crazy now. No, seriously. I mean, when you look at the move set, I mean, the, literally the same exact finish. How is she not the female version of Samoa Joe? Even the way she carries herself, she's the she's the Samoan badass. Yeah, uh, she's she just not Samoan. More, if she put on a few more pounds, I would agree with you there. Kind of. I'll meet you. I'll meet you halfway, and that's as close as I've ever come with Shane Baszler. That's as close as you'll get me on that one. Especially with halfway. Rousey out, it just uh, seems so logical that we would be positioning Shayna Baszler, but we're going with Lacey Evans. Uh, really? Which match would you rather see? Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler, or Becky Lynch versus Lacey freaking Evans? I don't say I wouldn't want to see either. Well, luckily for you, you're going to get Becky versus Charlotte. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit as water goes flying all over Joe's studio. (laughs) Just recently on NXT television, we had Shayna Baszler take on Kyrie Sane. And the stipulation here was if Kyrie Sane loses, she will never again get another shot at the NXT Women's Championship. Okay. And so then the Monday before, they called Kyrie Sane up to the main roster. Okay, so we know she's going to lose. God damn it. I mean, It just it took all the heat away from that match. <laughs> and then, and then, the way that they beat Kyrie Sane, Io Shirai comes out, attacks Shayna Baszler, and gets Kyrie Sane disqualified. So now I want to see the match between Io Shirai and... And Kyrie Sane, but we're not going to get that because Kyrie Sane has been called up to the main roster and is now a part of the women's tag team known as the Robert Kraft Experience. I thought they were Asuka. the Japanese cosplay house party. No, the Robert Kraft Experience. Happy endings for Robert Kraft. Ah, uh, yes. Owner of the New England Patriots, if you're not getting that joke. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> so now it seems as though it's going to be Io Shirai versus Shayna Baszler. That's kind of being set up. We also have being set up Mia Yim as Mia Yim is calling once again for Shayna Baszler. She says that she learned something from her first matchup with Shayna and now she's ready for her rematch and she will be taking on Bianca Belair, which almost seems like a de facto number one contenders match. So you have Belair, Mia Yim, and Io Shirai all kind of in the running here. Please don't be another four-way. I don't want another fatal four-way. Don't do it. Please, William Regal, don't do it. Just give me one of these women against Shayna Baszler. Just give me a one-on-one match, and please let it be Mia Yim. I really want Mia Yim to take this title from Shayna Baszler if these are my options. The, the the fatal four-way match in the WWE context is, I don't think I've seen one that I've really enjoyed, really. It, it's so hard to pull off. There's so many moving parts, and it comes down to so often to where you just you have two people having the match in the ring while everybody else is taking a snooze, and you switch them out, and everybody else is taking a nap, and then they just rinse and repeat. That's the fatal four-way match WWE formula. Yep. I don't want to see it. We just had a fatal four-way, but yep. it sure feels like that's what they're setting things up for. Oh, boy. And then we have Cassius Ono. <laughs> I chuckled when I saw this on the run, by the way. Cassius Ono, the male version of Candice LeRae. What the fuck are we doing with Cassius Ono <laughs> in NXT is the real question. Uh. We send him over to NXT UK. We don't know what the fuck we're doing with him over there either. So now he's back in North America. And he's right back in the same role that he was. He's in the player coach gatekeeper role. If you are a new guy coming into NXT, your first match is going to be against Cassius Ono. I do expect that we will be seeing Shane Strickland versus Cassius Ono and Garza Jr. versus Cassius Ono in the immediate future. Oh, yeah. And... Damien Priest. What the hell kind of name is Damien Priest? What was wrong with Punishment Martinez? Really? Damien Priest? Punishment implies uh, condoning of violence, you know. You can't have that in in, uh, in wrestling. can't have that. I, I just feel like it's a matter of time before Damien Priest gets paired up with Aleister Black as Aleister Black's muscle <laughs> because we all know that Aleister Black needs somebody to fight for him. Cassius Ono is going to be taking on Kushida. That's right. The time splitter has made his way to NXT. Big Joe, I'm excited. And I got to say, I'm excited because they're letting him be the time splitter. They're letting him be Kushida. They're letting him be the Japanese Marty McFly. And William Regal is going to play the role of Doc Brown. I'm super (laughs) excited. It's all going to fit together. The time splitter has made his way to NXT. How long until he is damned to 205 Live? Um, First of all, going through that, you you went a little robot, Rick, on me. So it was was, was hilarious at the same time. But I I digress. Um, To see Marty McFly versus Cassius Ono, uh, I'm torn. I I mean, this whole thing, I'm getting visions of Hideo Itami again with Kushida. I'm just I'm I'm already seeing it unfold in front of my eyes here. I, yeah. I fear that's going to happen. God forbid he gets injured, then he'll be screwed. Oh God! You know, and, and 
I don't even know the best way to present Kushida because I've had a couple of people ask me, like, explain Kushida to me. How do you explain Kushida? I mean, he's I, I, I feel like the only good way to explain him is he's the Japanese version of Johnny Gargano. He's like the ultimate white meat baby face who wanted to be a pro wrestler ever since he was four. We've seen the video footage. How do you explain Kushida to Americans? And what's even worse is how do you explain Kushida to Vince McMahon? Yeah, that's the terrifying part right there. Right, Because I mentioned this last week because on Turnbuckle Talk last week, we had Ryan K. Bowman from thegrillposition.com. And I, I put out the statement there again that, you know, is Vince McMahon a racist? And in the, with this kind of stuff, and you see what has happened to the Japanese people recently in WWE, it is extremely hard to argue that he is not. Because you just you look at how they get treated, what happens with their characters and whatnot. I mean, I, I won't be surprised if he comes over to the main roster and they have him as a sushi chef. Oh. Uh, it would surprise me at this point. Right? Or have, have the, the Jap- I'm surprised that uh, they haven't had Curry saying using the miso horny line. Like, it, it would just be ridiculous. You know Vince is th- that's in his mind. I, I, I don't know what the hell we do with Kushida. Because I feel like Kushida is a Disney lawsuit away from oh, going Jesus. back to Japan. Like, because it's so clear that he's Marty McFly. Mm-hmm. Like they don't even pull any qualms about it. He's straight up yeah. Marty McFly. Disney's not going to let that fly. You know, as a, t- a takeover, they're going to have him come out on the DeLorean. You just bank on it. They're going to have him come out on the DeLorean, and it's going to break down halfway down the ramp, and they're going to have to get a backup because if you own a DeLorean, you have to have a, a backup because they overheat and they blow up. So, as as long as they don't do that mini Kushida shit that they pulled at Wrestle Kingdom, because that was terrifying. You know they're going to do it though. Let's talk about Raw and SmackDown. Speaking of terrifying, the ratings are in post Superstar Shakeup. The Raw show down eleven percent from last week. A five hundred and thirty-four thousand wow. people drop from hour one to hour three. SmackDown didn't fare much better as it's down six point six percent from last week, down eighteen percent from last year. 18%. Wow. And people said that SmackDown was better. And now they have Roman Reigns. They have all the star power in the WWE hey. now. Down 18%. It's going to be fascinating to watch the Roman factor and what happens to SmackDown ratings going forward. Because I just don't see Roman Reigns versus Elias being a big money-making program for them. <laughs> just saying. Oh, even if you do have him smash him with a guitar, it's like, eh, okay, that was funny for two seconds. And now Raw ratings and SmackDown ratings, they're down 14% from last year. That came out in the financials this year. And every measurable, relevant statistic to how is the product doing inside of the ring, live attendance, TV ratings, merchandise sales, everything down this year across the board. We saw it in the financials. Joe, they've been playing this this game of cat and mouse now for about five years, and it seems like it's just about midnight. Well, the thing is, though, are they going to do anything about it at this point? And is there any incentive to do so? 
That's the question. The incentive is that they don't get shipped off a of Fox. You know how embarrassing it is going to be for them if they make the move to Fox Broadcast TV and within six months they are sent to FS1? Uh, I put the, the question to to Ryan last week on Terminable Talk as well because they keep getting renewed by USA Network now. Does USA Network just have low standards, or do, do they not see what's going on, or what is the deal there? Well, see, here's the thing with USA Network, and this is a little bit different from Fox because Fox is on broadcast, obviously. With mm-hmm. USA Network, Monday Night Raw, even as bad as it is performing at this point, mm-hmm. it keeps USA Network in that first tier of cable packages because it still tends to finish in the top five of the ratings inside of the week. So they can charge advertisers a lot more money, not just for Monday night raw, but for everything on the network because they are inside of tier one. Mm. I'm going to be fascinated to see what happens when they lose SmackDown, because that's going to be a big blow to USA. And that might move them into tier two, just losing SmackDown, regardless of how bad the SmackDown rating is. This is about overall advertising for the entire network on NBC Universal and USA Network. So could they light a fighter under WWE's ass and say, okay, time for you guys to kick it up a few notches here? Well, see, and and here's the thing that always just pisses me off because I hear people say, oh, well, it's USA that keeps telling them that it has to be a PG product. It's Mm -hmm. the network that's telling them this because they don't want – you ever watch USA Network? You see some of the shit they run on there? Temptation Island? Queen of the South, the Biggie and Tupac murder. Well, I'm in Canada, so I don't get to see the true USA Network. Well, that's because you're in Canada. So why would you get the USA Network? (laughs) It should be on the Canada Network. Is there there a Canada Canada Network? Network? It's CBC. Do do they? The Canadian Broadcasting Company, CBC? That's the Canadian Broadcasting Company. I totally fucking guessed that. (laughs) <laughs> I assume that they just run Toronto Maple Leafs games like back to back constantly. Yeah, I would imagine hockey night in America in yeah. Canada. Isn't that still a thing like Tuesday night? Kind of. Yeah. And the Toronto Maple Leafs, uh, ironically, they're the WWE of the hockey business. Oh. That is a great comparison because that franchise is a dumpster fire. Let's talk about uh, make tons of money. <laughs> it's all about the brand, baby. All about the brand. Uh, Toronto Maple Leaf fans are so stupid. That's true. So are WWE fans. Let's talk about money in the bank. (laughs) Money in the bank coming up. And and Joe, this is an interesting pay-per-view because it seems like... Take your word for it. Well, it's interesting because it seems like they're trying to load it. Like, I look at this pay-per-view and Mm -hmm. how things are starting to lay out. You would think money in the bank would sell itself, right? You're going to have two money in the bank ladder matches. Now we're hearing there might be a third money in the bank ladder match strictly for NXT, which is a terrible fucking idea. I would just like to say, I don't want to see an NXT version of money in the bank. That's stupid. And then you're mixing narratives. And if you're going to mix narratives, you can't do stupid shit. Like change the name of the fucking war Raiders. (laughs) God damn it. (sighs) Sorry, I get worked up. (laughs) AJ Styles is going to take on Seth Rollins for the Universal Championship. 
This is the kind of match that like I would expect at SummerSlam, not Money in the Bank. To me, the, this is something uh, that should have been a WrestleMania. Yeah, like this is a big match. It like it seems yeah. like one of these two guys has got to turn heel. And it's probably going to be by a punch to the dick because that's how <laughs> Seth Rollins won the Universal Championship. That was the entire AJ Styles versus Shinsuke Nakamura feud. This match is going to end with a dick punch from one of these guys. That, that was one of the great things about that whole thing that the Shinsuke Nakamura. Me no speak English. I punch you in the dick. That's... I mean, has anybody's balls had a worse year more than AJ <laughs> Styles? Why is he not wearing a cup is uh, the question I have. Oh, for the love of God. I mean, it's a good thing that AJ's already got four kids. God yeah. damn. <laughs> oh, I just, I can't believe that it's still like, uh, lame. The thing I can't believe is what happened on Monday Night Raw. You have Triple H come out, and as Triple H is walking to the ring, Mitchell Cole tells us that we're going to have two triple threat matches and that the winner of those two triple threat matches are going to face off to determine the number one contender to Seth Rollins' Universal Championship. And then Triple H gets in the ring, Seth Rollins comes out, and they waste 20 fucking minutes telling us what Mitchell Cole told us while Triple H was walking to the goddamn ring. This thing is just a mess. It sounds cooler when it's coming out of Triple H or somebody else. When Mitchell Cole's trying to put something over, like it almost feels like, I don't know, it feels weird. There's nothing like, less cool like than Mitchell Cole putting effect. something over. Yeah, it feels, feels like it has the opposite effect. It's like, well, Mitchell Cole thinks this is cool. Well, then uh, I don't think it is. Yeah, like the best thing that happened to Aleister Black was him getting sent to SmackDown so Mitchell Cole wouldn't put him over. Oh, yeah. God, yeah, when he let out with that. Sounded like the Kool-Aid man crashing through the drywall. Oh, just awful. So on Raw this past week, we had AJ Styles taking on Samoa Joe versus Rey Mysterio. Thought that was a pretty decent triple threat match with AJ Styles winning. Then we have Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre and The Miz. And I think everybody just expected that Drew McIntyre was going to win this match. And it was going to be Drew McIntyre versus AJ Styles. Now, I guess the, the, the good news is we're saving that matchup. We didn't just give that matchup away this week on Monday Night Raw. We didn't blow that week one. Drew McIntyre has this match won. Baron Corbin comes in, sneaks out the win. So we end up with Baron Corbin versus AJ Styles. Joe, do they still think that Baron Corbin has good heat? Because Baron Corbin has like the most blatant version of go away heat that I have seen in freaking years. It's one of these things where I legitimately think to myself, okay, as us as true wrestling fans for as long as we've been wrestling fans and, and as podcasters and as wrestling pundits or whatever you want to call us, are we not, is there something that we're not seeing that they're seeing at this point? Because obviously they, they, they think that he has good legitimate heat and to us, it's clearly not the case. Like I said, it's go away heat. It's like, okay, we shut up and go away now. Heat. I think I'm higher on Baron Corbin than most people are. Like yeah. I, I, I still see a use for Baron Corbin, but I just, I feel like they're just pushing him so hard. And 
People just don't care. Even for this match, you had over 500,000 people that changed the freaking channel because they didn't want to see Baron Corbin twice on their freaking television. And you still have the carryover from the whole thing with him and Kurt Angle too, right? People are still, myself included, still pissed off that that was what happened. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I have a hard time disagreeing with you there. So we're going to get AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins. That's going to be the first big title defense for Seth Rollins. I, I have to believe that Seth Rollins is going to win that match. It should be a good match. But I'm telling you, that, that that dick punch is coming. AJ is going to straight punch Seth Rollins in the dick. And, you know, as I think about it, it's not even the worst idea because there's not a whole lot of heel depth on Monday Night Raw. I feel like AJ has kind of ran his course as a babyface. AJ Styles and Seth Rollins are basically the same dude. They're basically the same wrestler. Is yeah. there room for both of them as babyfaces on Monday Night Raw? See, that's the issue too is when you have two similar characters like on the same show it's a problem too but then even if you have them on other shows mirroring each other it's a problem too like you, you know these guys are just they're too similar to each other and it's just it's you know, it's just a perfect example of one of those things that look great on paper this matchup AJ Styles versus Seth Rollins awesome and then but when you look at the meat and potatoes everything behind this it's like oh disappointment yeah and the other thing that's disappointing was seeing these two guys in the ring together yeah i don't know what it was if it was the lighting if it was because aj trimmed his beard i don't know what it was but aj looked old aj looked old standing in the ring next to seth rollins yeah he's getting he's getting older man oh yeah he's like 41 now i mean this is probably his last contract Maybe we're putting a little bit of too much pressure on AJ Styles at this point. I would agree. Maybe he should be the number two babyface on Monday Night Raw. No, I agree. Let's talk about this this women's division that is an absolute freaking train wreck. Becky Lynch is going to take on Lacey Evans for the Raw Women's Championship. Then she's going to turn around and take on Rick's precious Sharshar for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Becky, two belts, going to defend... <sighs> Two belts at one show. This past Monday on Raw, we see Becky and Alicia Fox go nine fucking minutes. Nine fucking minutes. It took <laughs> Becky Lynch to beat Alicia Fox. Nine fucking minutes. Are you kidding That's, me? Obviously not. Um, yeah. Um, it's one of these moments where um, it, it's hard to have words. This is why we can't have nice things. Nine minutes. I, yeah. I, I have nothing else to say about it. Uh, against Alicia Fox, yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I have words. The no thing words. that really irritates me is that there was a couple of clips I saw from this match kind of floating around and people like ragging on Becky Lynch for it. Dude, she's in there with Alicia Fox. If if she goes to give Alicia Fox a freaking head scissors and Fox doesn't jump, no. it's not going to look good. There's no. nothing that she can do. She's in there with Alicia Fox for nine fucking minutes. It's got Botcharama written all over it. I mean, come on. You're only as good as your dance partner, you know? Mm-hmm. That's something I've said before, too. You're only as good as the, the worst one in there. 
So then let's go over to SmackDown. I thought we were going to get Becky versus Charlotte on SmackDown. I really thought that's what was going to happen. But no, we're going to get something much worse. It's going to be at the pay-per-view. You know, we just had this big roster shakeup so we can get all these fresh new matchups. Here you go. Becky versus Charlotte. Nobody's ever seen that before. Oh, <laughs> oh wait. Yeah, yeah, we have. <sighs> Do they think that we all just have the, the memory and the recall of a, of a goldfish at this point? Yeah. That's literally what Vince thinks. And, and this is venturing off topic, but I'm going to mention it anyways. The, the, this deal to you with uh, doing the Shield thing. I, I don't know if you watched that uh, network special. I still haven't yet. I'm debating whether I even watch it. How many freaking, mm, I got to bite my tongue here, times are we going to do this for the last time again and again and again and again and again? Oh. Yeah. The last time, though. They moved they moved well, Dean Ambrose yeah. to the alumni section of the of the website. So obviously that was real this time. Whoa. What a joke. Ridiculous. So let's talk about Bailey. Okay. Yeah, I love Bailey's music. Bailey's music is just makes me happy. Have that as my alarm forever. Just wakes up in a yeah, happy you're, I, remember, I remember saying that, yeah. So we get Charlotte versus Bailey on this show. I gotta admit, this is probably the best Bailey has looked. Maybe since she got called up to the main roster. I think the move to SmackDown is going to be really, really good for her. And I could get behind Bailey versus Becky. Mm -hmm. I could even get behind a Bailey heel turn at this point because, hell, people are booing her anyway. They fucked that character up so goddamn bad. It was can't miss. It was you, you had the female John Cena. Yep. How do you fuck that up? Oh my uh, god! But Charlotte gets part, the win over it's Bailey. Part of a bigger, it's part of a bigger problem here that I think that we're all kind of just glossing over here, is that some of these people are being called up from NXT when they should just be staying in NXT because that, that's, that's a character that works perfectly fine in NXT. But you bring it up to Raw or SmackDown, and you know who gets his hands in there and has to make it stupid. Just tell the story. That's all they had to do with Bailey. All they had to do was tell the story. She was and an God underdog. God forbid the story be what's happening in the ring, let alone this crap that goes on backstage and these vignettes. And what do you think of a Bailey heel turn at this point? I mean, isn't it time for Bailey to grow up? Yeah. I mean, that's that's really the best way to put it at this point. It's time for Bailey to grow up. She's not that little kid super fan anymore. No. <sighs> I agree. Let's talk about the WWE mid-card championship of the world now held by Kofi Kingston, the greatest mid-carder of all time. That's right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there. I think Kofi might be the greatest mid-carder of all time. But Kofi's an idiot. That's right. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods trusted Big O, Kevin Owens, joining the New Day. Yeah, because everybody thought that was going to work. This week we saw Kofi Kingston versus Shinsuke Nakamura, which should have been a freaking dream match. It should have been a dream match. I mean, Shinsuke Nakamura, Kofi Kingston, the WWE champion Kofi Kingston. This should have been a big deal, but no, we just get it Tuesday on SmackDown. And we get Kevin Owens turning heel and beating the ever-loving hell out of Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods. That's right. It's a new day. Yes, it is. 
how damaged is Kevin Owens in this? Because Kevin Owens just turned babyface. We had every man Kevin Owens at the bowling alley with his kid and eating pizza and coming back to challenge Daniel Bryan for the championship. And within like two months, Kevin Owens turns heel again. Can we ever turn Kevin Owens babyface ever again? Is anybody ever going to trust Kevin Owens? I think this is another case here, man, where I think that, and I think you, me, and a few other people over here around the HTM podcast network here really should be put in charge of this division of the company called what the, you know, what we need to look at some of these ideas like having Kevin Owens eating pancakes with the new day and saying, what the F, what are you doing? Who thought that Kevin Owens would join the New Day? I mean, come on. You had to I know where this was going. I expected him right away. I thought he was going to take those pancakes and shove them right down his throat. The other thing that I find intriguing here is the fact that we had to turn Kevin Owens heel. Why did we have to turn Kevin Owens heel? And when I look at the SmackDown heel depth chart, the only logical reason is a man that we haven't seen since WrestleMania – and that's Daniel Bryan. What the hell is going on with Daniel Bryan? Where is Daniel Bryan? He's not on house shows. He's not doing dark matches. He's not backstage. I'm terrified that there's a concussion issue going on with Daniel Bryan. I was just going to say that uh, I think that this may have caught up with him now. You know, I mean, most of the time when it's a shoulder injury, a knee injury, the company will release a statement. You know, when they don't do that, when it's a concussion. It's the same reason that we didn't know what the hell was going on with Alexa Bliss. You know, they, they don't talk about concussion issues and we're not well, hearing it, anything it, about Brian. Well, the, the concussion issue isn't just an issue in professional wrestling. It's an issue in every sport out there, right? So um, it's something that I think that they don't feel comfortable talking about. I, I think it's maybe one thing that maybe they're doing that smart is we just need need to not address this issue. It's, it's a big problem, obviously, not just in wrestling, but just in general. But if it that is what's going on, that's the only thing that explains to me why we had to turn Kevin yeah. Owens heel already, is if we're going to have an extended period of time without Daniel Bryan. Because you need heels on SmackDown Live, especially now that you have Roman Reigns over there. I mean, mm-hmm. we're already seeing Roman Reigns and Elias. I mean, we're going to talk about that here in just a little bit, but... It, it, yep. If we got to live off of Roman Reigns versus Elias, shit, Fox is going to cancel this shit by Christmas. <laughs> they should they have turned Roman heel when they had the chance to. They They're still there. should. Right now is the perfect time. Roman Reigns, a heel Roman Reigns taking the WWE championship from Kofi Kingston, the most mm-hmm. beloved figure in all of the WWE, fought 11 years to get it. Hell, yep. even have him do it in Saudi Arabia. Oh. Even have him do it in Saudi fucking Arabia. Wow. That would be something. Let's talk about the Money in the Bank ladder matches. Uh, we're going to get the announcement of who is going to be in these things this week on a moment of bliss. And so help me God, Alexa Bliss better save herself as the final announcement for so. this women's money in the bank because I'm, I'm i'm worried that alexa is 
still battling that concussion issue. Things don't look good on that front. But we're also hearing about Sasha Banks and Sasha Banks being one of the odds on favorites to win the women's money in the bank ladder match. But we have to keep Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks separate because there's real heat there. They don't like each other. Well, then book the fucking shit. Put them in the goddamn ring and let them fight. Yeah. Cup, capitalize off the actual heat. The, the storyline writes itself, people. Matt Hardy and Edge had heat. You know what we did? We booked oh, them in a there. fight. Hell yeah. And it was great. I want to see Alexa Bliss snatch that bitch bald. Yeah. See, this is why we couldn't write WWE storylines because it, it makes too much sense. Makes too much sense. Makes too much sense. Just stop making so much sense, damn it. Who do you want to see win the men's Money in the Bank ladder match? I think that's the most interesting one at this point because I feel like the women's, it doesn't even matter. Because the story is going to be Becky Lynch. Because what I think is going to happen is Becky Two Belts is going to defend against Lacey Evans, and she's going to win. And then she's going to defend against Charlotte Flair, and she's going to win. And then whoever wins the women's Money in the Bank ladder match is going to cash in on Becky Two Belts and take one of the belts. Because Becky can't win three matches in one night. I think that's going to be the story at Money in the Bank. So who wins the men's? Well, we got the, the lineup. We got Drew McIntyre. We got Cesaro. We got Rey Mysterio. We got Ricochet, Aleister Black, Andrade, and Lars Sullivan. From what, what I've seen, that's that's the lineup, right? That that sounds pretty consistent with what I've now, seen. Now, I think the on-the-nose pick, obviously, if you're paying attention to what is going on, Andrade is the, uh, the obvious pick because of the nepotism and the favoritism and blah, 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 blah. I think that your pick has obviously got, if I'm picking out of this, down to two guys, just Drew McIntyre or Alistair Black. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking here. Down to those two guys. I don't think I, I think. like Alistair Black with the briefcase. Yeah, it's not really fitting to the character, right? Yeah, it's just, I, number one, I don't like baby faces with the briefcase. It just no. doesn't seem to work. It never really no. has, except for when John Cena called this shot. That was about yeah. the only time that I've seen it work for a baby face. Yeah. Drew McIntyre does like, I like Drew McIntyre as the winner of money in the bank. Yeah. But does he really need the briefcase? Like it's Drew McIntyre. Like it's look the at the Braun freaking Stroman guy, effect, right? It's the Braun Strowman effect, right? It feels like Sammy Zayn should win money in the bank to me. Yeah. The underdog, right? Like, well, I mean, I, that snide heel. That yes. the, the, the guy who, in order to win the championship, he's got to cheat to do it. He's got he's to sneak up behind somebody when they're really, really tired or already knocked out, like Dolph Ziggler style. Well, why not just have him, you have him sneak in last minute or something and just grab it, right? Yeah. That, it's a no DQ match. Do whatever you want, right? So, you know, have him come in when everybody's out and just have him steal it away from everybody. One of your picks, CN, is now in 50-50 hell with Finn Balor. We saw CN beat Balor on Raw. Balor then moved to SmackDown, and then CN moves back to SmackDown, and Zelina Vega says, you can't run from us, thus inferring that the superstars can decide whichever brand they actually want to be on themselves. There's nobody actually pulling the strings or controlling anything here. 
Balor gets his win back against CN, it feels to me like you could end up with Balor versus CN for the Intercontinental Championship at Money in the Bank. Does this not hold, just bury the whole idea of the superstar shakeup now? Yeah, pretty much. It, it delegitimizes it completely. It's like, well, we'll just move them around anyway afterwards. I mean, it has been such a clusterfuck, this entire superstar shakeup. Like, they went into yeah. it with absolutely no idea of what they're doing. Now let's talk about Robert Roode. Speaking of people who don't have no idea what they're doing, Robert Roode now has a glorious mustache. That's his gimmick. Joey Ryan. Joey, Joey Ryan, Ryan is that what is that who you got out of it immediately was Joey Ryan? It, 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 you cannot, man. It's, it's see, it's I, I immediately got the ravishing Rick Roode reference. Yeah. Well, me too, right? I mean, the name too, right? So it's. Maybe that's what they're playing off, you know, thinking Vince McMahon logic. Maybe that's what is going on there. Uh, Vince, you do realize that it's not even spelled the same, right? <laughs> Nobody knows. He didn't, know that. He, didn't he didn't know that. Um, what's his name? Uh, Kids from, these days, the millennials, they don't know how to spell. They just have predictive text on their iPhones. He, he forgot that Luke Gallus was Festus. Remember who we're dealing that's with? True. Here, okay? That's he true. He forgot that they're the same person, so. I wonder if he knows that uh, Finn Balor and um, Jordan Devlin are different people. <laughs> I've made the reference a couple of times that we, we, we could have Jordan Devlin play Finn Balor and Finn Balor come out as the demon or the other way around. And you could actually have both of them on camera together. Yeah. But back to what we were saying with, with Robert Rude, they're calling him Robert Rude now, right? Which is kind of strange yes no more but bobby he is, he's now an adult he's now robert, <laughs> it's robert. He's hey robbie hey robbie <laughs> robbie rude this is another one of those ones where it just it looks great on paper but there's no there's no substance to it whatsoever this is why we can't have nice things like Again, this this match right here, this is why we can't have nice things. We had a nice thing. We had Ricochet and Ricochet had some momentum. Ricochet was becoming a star. So what do we do? We have Robert Roode and his glorious mustache pin Ricochet <laughs> clean on Monday Night Raw. Robert Roode, a guy who I don't think has won a match in like two freaking years outside of the tag team division, just basically puts down one of the fastest up-and-coming stars on the red brand. This is why we can't have nice things. This right here is why we can't have nice things. Why, why couldn't they have just have kept James Storm around and kept him with, with just doesn't with Bobby Roode? That would have been fantastic. I love me some beer money, but instead we're resorted to Robert Roode and this stuff. I, I don't know. It, it hurts my brain to, again to think about this stuff again. Like you said, this is why we can't have nice things. In the meantime, we have badass Billy Gunn tagging with James Storm. I mean, you want to talk about two yep. dudes who look like they belong together? Absolutely. I, I like that. On the independent scene, yeah, I like that a lot. Oh, yeah. Let's wrap things up with the biggest star inside of the WWE. No, I'm not talking about Roman Reigns. No, I'm not talking about Elias, the greatest signing in SmackDown history. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. I'm talking about the best in the world, 
Shane McMahon. That's right. Shane McMahon and Elias. This thing's going to end up a handicap match. That's what it's going to be. It's going to be Shane McMahon and Elias, the best in the world and the single greatest signing in SmackDown history versus the poor underdog who fought his way back and defeated leukemia. He's in remission. It's such a happy story. And he has the odds stacked against him. Roman Reigns is going to take on Shane McMahon and Elias in a handicap match. How will Roman ever survive? Uh, this is this is this is they think this is going to put asses in seats. Your attendance is down 11% from last year. Your ratings are in the basically the freaking toilet. And yeah. your answer is Roman Reigns versus Shane fucking McMahon. <laughs> it's uh i mean this is they, they really think this is gonna fix it this is the reimagination of smackdown live that we've been hearing about for months shane fucking mcmahon versus roman reigns <laughs> and this is something that uh we had mentioned last week too i mean with this Th- with this being touted as this is the biggest acquisition, you know, and like I said, you know, I'm trying to think of it through Vince McMahon logic and eyes, you know, when I hear, when I hear the word biggest in my mind, I'm thinking, okay, big show, you know, even that might've been slightly more interesting, but the biggest acqu- acquisition ever, like Carl, he, Carl said he was so disappointed. was Elias. Like, are you for real right now? This is the best that you can come up with for a surprise is Elias. We saw Shane McMahon and Elias beat up Roman Reigns on SmackDown. <sighs> Shane McMahon and Elias beat up Roman Reigns. So Roman Reigns pinned the fucking Undertaker at WrestleMania, but he can't beat up <laughs> Shane McMahon and fucking Elias. <laughs> I mean, come the fuck on. Come the fuck on. <laughs> Uh, this isn't uh, sports entertainment anymore now. This is just a slapstick comedy special. <laughs> I mean, they want us to take this seriously. Uh, when, no, when you seriously, uh, when you when you stack this up against, you know, going back to what we've been talking earlier in this podcast, we've been talking about New Japan, we've been talking about Ring of Honor, the Crockett Cup, all this stuff is way way more exciting than this than this show. I mean, each one of these things just separate is more exciting than this whole pay-per-view set to happen. People want to shit on Matt Taven. You're getting Roman Reigns versus Elias, wow. dude. Versus Elias. Yeah. <laughs> and you want you to shit on Matt your, Taven? Uh, yeah. I will take a Matt Taven match any day over that stuff. Seriously. Don't be a Melvin. Yes. Come on. Well said. Well said. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then head over to the Roar Network at thegorillaposition.com. Check out some of the other shows over there. Find our friend Jamie over at lastwordonprowrestling.com for all of your news throughout the day. That's how I keep up on all of this stuff. You can find us at hittingthemarks.com. It's got links to every show. It's got links to Twitter feeds. It's got social media information. You can find me across all social media at NotJargo. You can find Huckleberry number one, the real RBV at the real RBV. Catch us Tuesday for an all new edition of HTM Sports. Monday in the locker room, we're going to be talking the financials. 
Big Joe, why don't you tell them about Turnbuckle Talk, how to find you and Carl, and when your show drops right here on the HTM Podcast Network. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at TV Talk Pod. And you can also find our sponsors. First of all, we have CollarAndElbowBrand.com, where you can get 10% off by using the promo code JKPODCAST, as well as Hype City Vapors, where you can get 15% off and use promo code JKPODCAST there as well. Joe, thanks for filling in for Huckleberry number one. Very much appreciated, my friend. Anytime, anytime. Hopefully he, uh, what is it? he's got the flu or something, right? Yeah, I, I think it's just that he hung out with too many Ohio strippers and it made him sick. Oh, boy. Yeah, it just, oh, oh boy. That story checks out. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room, hackerhotmean.podbean.com. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya! Watch your fingers. Enable me. I don't give up. Yeah.